everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know uh, we both sound like we're broadcasting live from our mother's basements, but we're not. We just have bad sound equipment. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld. He's Rich DeCray. Lots to talk about as college football uh, is preparing to kick off. Here's here's the first thing I want to throw at you, Rich. By the way, say hi to everybody so they know I'm not talking to myself. Hi, everybody. Right, good. Now, shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, win total for the season, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, nine and a half. So if you're not familiar with totals, what that means is if you bet the over, then these two programs have to win ten games for you to win. If you bet the under, then they have to win uh, nine games for you to for you to uh, they have to lose. Oh, sorry. If you bet the under, they can't win more than nine. If you bet the over, they have to at least win ten. Now you know why I don't gamble because I can't even explain it. My question to you, sir, is where do you go? Let's start with Oklahoma State. Do you go over or under on nine and a half? You know, I think both of the teams are, are very much so lumped into the same category for me. So I will throw that out there as a precursor statement. So you're saying OU and OSU are the same? Yeah, basically, when it comes to win totals and expectations, absolutely, okay. I believe so. Right. As, I, as I look at the Oklahoma State schedule, there are two potential losses. Um, really, one outweighs the other. I see Oklahoma, Oklahoma State being one of those matchups where either team could win, depending on how the entire season plays out. Oklahoma State has a great offense, as we know, so can anybody keep up with them? I'm not certain in looking at their schedule. I don't know that there's anyone who can slow them down when you look at the, the three-headed monster that is Oklahoma State's offense. So if I'm going to predict three losses, I just don't see it happening. I could see potentially two. More realistically, I see one. So I'm definitely taking the over if it's at nine and a half for Oklahoma State. See, I'm opposite of you. I, I mean, I feel this. what you just said, barring the offensive stuff, I feel the same about Oklahoma. Um I think it's a given 10 wins for Oklahoma this season. I mean, I just not not saying again, I, I don't gamble, so I'm I mean, I don't take my advice on this. But when I look at that schedule, I see two potential losses for Oklahoma. I, I see uh, Ohio State is a probably their, their most probable loss this season is going to come week two in the horseshoe. And I think Oklahoma State, you know, Bedlam in Stillwater is a potential loss there. The, you know, this is the best. If you listen to Philip Montgomery, the head coach of Tulsa, this is the most talented team that Mike Gundy's ever had. That 2011 team was pretty talented, and we know how 2011 went uh, in Stillwater uh, with that team. So I think there's two potential losses there for Oklahoma. I, I don't really struggle to find a third potential loss for Oklahoma State. Let me ask you this, then. If you're saying there are three losses, you've said Oklahoma could be one because I, I feel like we're in the same boat and saying Bedlam could literally go either way this year. Who else are you stacking on to those losses? Well, you've got that, that incredible loss. road trip uh, week two against South Alabama. Should I giggle there? <laughs> because <laughs> Okay. First of all, if you're the 10th ranked program in the country, how do you go on the road to play South Alabama? I don't understand how that happens. I mean, it's not a potential loss for Oklahoma State, but aren't you supposed to pay South Alabama $2 million to come play you in Stillwater? How do you go to South Alabama for a football game if you're the 10th 
ranked program in the nation. I mean, Sports Illustrated picked Oklahoma State to be in the college football playoff. They They've given Mason Rudolph the yeah. Heisman Trophy. This team is traveling to play at South Alabama. Does someone need an education on how to work out contracts? Because you don't give South Alabama a two-for-one. You tell South Alabama, we're going to give you $2 million, $1.5 million. We're basically going to have you come in here. We're going to treat you nice. We're going to beat you up on Saturday. And then we're going to send you home with a fat check. We don't go to South Alabama. We're Oklahoma State. That's the way it's supposed to work. This will be the biggest weekend of the season for South. It may be the biggest. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know what their, their mascot is. <laughs> but I can tell you that it's going to be one of the biggest weekends in like the last decade. And I, I don't understand how that happened. But I do. I Back to your, your <laughs> sorry. Back to your question. I think, um, I think there's, you, you mentioned Bedlam. I, I don't think the trip to Pittsburgh is going to be easy for Oklahoma State. I, I don't think the trip to West Virginia is going to be easy for Oklahoma State. And then don't overlook November 18th when Kansas State comes to Stillwater. I, I See, what, what I base this off of is I base it off of potential losses. I, I mean, I don't know that you can go with Oklahoma or Oklahoma State and look at their schedule and say, that's a definite loss. I think between the two, like I said, the most probable loss for either of these schools, when you combine their schedule, is going to be Oklahoma at Ohio State. But I don't think you can look at the schedule and say either one of these programs has a definite loss. But I think there's more potential losses for Oklahoma State than there are for Oklahoma when you look at how the schedule shapes out. And it's just because of the road trips that Oklahoma State has to take. Yeah, they get Oklahoma in Stillwater, but that trip to Morgantown is never easy. I mean, this is we talked. I talked briefly about the 2011 team. They lost in Ames, Iowa. That was probably the best football team that Oklahoma State University has ever fielded, and they lost in Ames, Iowa. So I, I don't know that, and by the way, it's not because you can lose on any given Saturday anywhere in the yes, Big 12. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I mean, oh, hey, Texas lost to Kansas last year, but we had to throw that in there. But I'm just saying that the Big 12 is not one of those conferences. you got the top, you've got a little bit of the middle, and then you've got the bottom. And Iowa State lives in the bottom. So I'm just saying you look at possible losses, potential losses, I feel like there's a lot more on Oklahoma State's schedule than there is Oklahoma. So if I'm a betting man, I have no problem laying down my money for Oklahoma at 9.5. I have a lot of hesitation laying down my money for Oklahoma State at 9.5. It's understandable. Um, and I, I do see where you're coming from when you talk about Kansas State as well as West Virginia. Kansas State is a... A team, in my opinion, and we'll get to this, that is an underdog in the Big 12 and is being overlooked, but may surprise a couple of people by pulling out one or two surprise wins over an Oklahoma State, over an Oklahoma. They can do some things that they're not anticipating or fans aren't anticipating them doing from opposing fan bases because of who their coach is. And so, again, that's something that you can never overlook, but... I get where you're coming from. I still disagree. I think Oklahoma State, anyone's going to have, regardless of what their defense does, and their defense is going to be what is the downfall of this entire program this season, or it's going to be what carries them into potentially that national championship contention. And so when I'm looking at Oklahoma State, not many people are going to contend with their offense. When I look at the schedule, you're mentioning Pittsburgh, Kansas State, those are the programs that I think of that will struggle regardless of what Oklahoma State's defense is doing. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Thursday night, Oklahoma State kicks off their season at home against Tulsa. Saturday afternoon, Oklahoma kicks off their season at home against UTEP. When you look at these two teams, should be two wins. But which which team do you think would which is the better opponent? I mean, who who has the better opening weekend opponent? Tulsa um, is a better opponent than UTEP by far in my opinion. And I get when we look at Tulsa, them being in the state of Oklahoma, it brings a little bit of a rivalry to it. Tulsa trying to prove themselves against these bigger name programs that are right down the road, an hour and a half from, from Norman, almost two hours from Norman and what, 45 minutes from Stillwater. So I get, yes, we bring in a little bit of a rivalry there. Um, but Tulsa, regardless of what they're losing from that offense, that set an FBS record with rushers, passer, and, and receivers eclipsing the 1,000-yard and the passer eclipsing the 3,000-yard mark. Regardless of what they're losing, I still think that they have a lot to offer on the field. Um, and they're definitely a team I don't think anyone should overlook, especially Oklahoma State. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, Tulsa is clearly the better opponent. Uh, when you look at the state schools this weekend, and, and the thing about it is, is Tulsa has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they're, I think they're in trouble at the quarterback position, just because they, they've yet to announce their guy. You know, I, I don't know that you get this far. If you get this far into the season, or not the season hasn't started yet, but you know, into camp, and you don't announce your quarterback, and you know, Phil Montgomery just said, hey, it's, it's basically gonna be a game day decision. That means one of two things. Either both of your quarterbacks are superb and you just can't figure out which one of these two superb guys you want to put on the field, or neither one of them is doing anything to earn the starting job, and you got to figure out who will not turn the ball over the most. You don't think there are any mind games that are being played with decisions like that? I'm not talking about just Tulsa, but because you bring that fact up with Tulsa, I know it's something other programs have done as well. Maybe they've got a guy who's a more capable runner. Let's take um, a guy, okay, with a backup quarterback at Oklahoma, since I'm familiar with that, in Kendall versus Murray. One's a runner, one's a passer. You don't think they're playing up these two different skill sets saying, we don't know what we're going to throw at you, or maybe we do, we just don't want to reveal it. Well, I think if you do that, you do it across the board. For example, did you see Oklahoma's depth chart they released it? Released it? <laughs> no. So uh, you got to look this up on Twitter. Oklahoma released their depth chart. Um, it's a blank piece of paper. That's good. Yeah, That's good. I mean, so I think you do. I mean, we all know Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback, right? There was a post on that. That would have been a great just kind of satirical <laughs> I, post. I don't know. I wasn't covering the press conference yesterday. Somebody <laughs> else was. <laughs> Whoops. What word it be? But the point is, we know Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback. Right? I mean, yeah. you, you know you, you know who the starting running back is for Tulsa. You know who the receivers are for Tulsa. So if you're going to play those mind games, you do it across the board like that. Um, I don't know who the starting quarterback is for Tulsa. And when I listen to Coach Montgomery, I don't think he – I really don't think he knows. And and that – I think that's going to be the doubt. Well, the reality is – the reality is you put Dane Evans there, who's – was a, a great quarterback for the University of Tulsa. I still am not convinced they have the firepower to match up with Oklahoma State. Right. But I think if you put Tulsa and UTEP on the field on Saturday, Tulsa walks away with a comfortable victory. I agree so wholeheartedly. That, so that makes, in my opinion, we're, we're in the same same boat here uh, with 
with who the opponent is. Um, let, before we break down these games individually, um, let's talk about sleepers because we kind of kind of went down that trail a little bit and we did a U-turn. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, most likely are going to play twice this year. They're going to play Bedlam in Stillwater, and then in the most stupid thing ever, they're going to play Bedlam 2.0 in Jerry World uh, for the Big 12 Championship. But if it's not Oklahoma or Oklahoma State making it to Arlington, who's it going to be? Who, who, who's your sleeper this year for the Big 12? I did hint at this earlier, and it is Kansas State. I think what they possess defensively, specifically in the secondary, is going to pay dividends for them because I rank them as the, the top secondary unit in the Big 12. And that's because of experience. It's because of, of what they possess skill-wise as well, and I think they can lock down some some pretty good receivers to make it difficult on some offenses. But at the same time, you look at what they've got offensively coming in. And Kansas State, I don't know what it is. I don't know how they do it, but they always seem to have a big physical offensive line with a quarterback who isn't just a single faceted guy. He can do a couple of different things on the field, and so. I just expect them, as usual, to continue to bring that to the field. Um, and when you've got Bill Snyder pulling the strings, anything can happen for them. So as I said earlier, I think they can pull off some unlikely wins and find themselves not necessarily in control of the Big 12, but hoping that one or two other losses happen that go in their favor and push them into that championship game. Well, and it's not like we haven't seen Kansas State do that in the past. I mean, right. Kansas State is a, is a program that has a history of doing things along those lines. And and what I'm curious about is, uh, you know, interesting uh, note about Kansas State. In all of Bill Snyder's years, he's never had a younger too deep than what he had last year. Now think about that for just a second. He's never had a younger two deep than what he had last year. And last year's team won nine games and scored a win uh, in, in their bowl game as well. That was with the youngest team he's ever put on the field. Now he's bringing that team back with experience. And we, we call Bill Snyder the wizard for a reason. You know, he's, he, he's, we've, seen, we've seen him beat OU in the Big 12 championship game. We've seen him come in and shock the Sooners in Norman. We've seen Bill Snyder's teams consistently pull off that magical upset win, and you just think, well, where in the world did that come from? So I, I've got Kansas State, but I, I'll, if, if, if I was ranking my sleepers, I've got another one that I'm, I'm confident you're going to disagree with just based off of your position Please rankings. Don't say Texas Tech. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to talk about them at some point today. But um, if, if I'm ranking sleepers, I've got Kansas. They're my sleeper. Kansas, Kansas State. State. Sorry, okay. yeah, Kansas is my sleeper to not be finish. careful here in the Big Twelve. Well, Kansas is right. my sleeper to not finish last. Okay. All right. Okay. Because we always pencil in Kansas last. Yes, we do. You know, the, you have the, the the photo of the the cartoon photo of the Big Twelve football mascots, and the Kansas mascot always has his basketball jersey on, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because they don't play football. But I don't think Kansas is going to finish last this year. And we can talk about that later if you want to. That's not on our script. But uh, Kansas State, my sleeper. I think Texas Tech, Texas Tech, that's your fault. I think TCU is just right. I mean, if it's sleeper, it's one is Kansas State. Sleeper 1A is TCU, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally disagree. I knew you would. Right. I knew you Here, would. And here's my reasoning is I have zero faith in Kenny Hill. I think that. 
he has taken a trajectory very similar to he had a decent season with Texas A&M. Then he transfers. And I was going to equate him to another quarterback, but it doesn't really make sense anymore. So I will leave that name unannounced here. Um, But he's since transferring, even the second half of his season at Texas A&M, he's really fallen off. And I, this year, for me personally, think that he is going to throw a very similar number of touchdowns to interceptions. And that never bodes well for a team, especially in a conference that isn't known for their defense. But here's the thing. why I, I really can't dispute what you just said. When you go back and you look at the, the sleeper conference champions, go back to Colorado beating Texas years ago. Go back to Bill Snyder beating Oklahoma in Kansas City. The thing about those teams, they didn't have a star quarterback. They had a quarterback who was good, but they, they weren't the best, you know, we're throwing Oklahoma State in there because of Mason Rudolph. Oklahoma's in there because of Baker Mayfield. There's not another team in the conference that can put a quarterback the same equivalency as those two guys. But because of defense, because of a solid running game, I mean, Gary Patterson is a defensive first guy. And I think his defense is what, where you're, you're talking about the quarterback, I agree. If they can get Kenny Hill just to not turn the ball over, which you know, you're, you're laughing at that, but if they can get him to not turn the ball over, they're going to be in a lot of ball games this year. It's his second season in Fort Worth, second season with this offense, and Meacham's a pretty good offensive coordinator. I, I think it's a bounce-back season for TCU, and I think it's led by the defensive charge. Last year, the defense let TCU down in, in so many different ways, which is so uncharacteristic of Gary Patterson. I think that, that corrects itself this year. Um, I, I think TCU is that team that could pull off a couple of upset wins and possibly be there if you're not going to pick Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Um, while, while we're talking about this, let, let, let's just bump up one more thing conference-wise before we get into breaking down Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, Big 12 coach on the hot seat this year. I think it's obvious there's only one. I agree. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. But, by the way, throwing that in there, I, I think um, i got to say I was wrong about something. Because for two years, up until June, I had even said that Lincoln Riley would be the next head coach at Texas Tech. Obviously, I have to make, I have to alternate that projection a little bit because he's not going to Texas Tech, clearly. Clearly. Philip Montgomery from Tulsa. Watch him. When they fire Cliff Kingsbury, they're going to go after Philip Montgomery. Well, talking about Cliff Notice Kingsbury. I didn't say if they fire Cliff Kingsbury. Right. I said so when right. they fire him. Cliff Kingsbury has a a mountain to climb if he's hoping to keep that head coaching position. And I say that because you lose a guy who topped in the draft, Patrick Mahomes. I don't necessarily know what NFL scouts saw in him that made him such a high pick in the NFL draft. Um, I'm not saying that he wasn't worthy of it because that kid is an athlete who can throw the ball a thousand times in a game that seemed to never tie I think it he did that. Love it. He did. I know. And so you lose a guy like Patty Mahomes. You have a defense that struggled greatly. I just don't see any replacements coming in to sure up the defense or to take the place of Patty Mahomes. Just isn't there for me. Well, and the thing is, 
first of all, they're, they're so high on Patty Mahomes in Kansas City. Um, you know, I, I do uh, Fox Radio on once a week in Kansas City, and this morning when we were on the radio, they're, they want they want Patty to be the starting quarterback, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> whatever. I mean, I I feel like Chiefs it, fans are, are setting themselves up for the great fall. It always reverts back to something we use on the college level of football is that the backup quarterback is always right. the most popular player on campus. Yeah, and, and he's, he's... Well, maybe not this year, but if you're looking at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma... No, I think uh, I, I think Kyler Murray's well, pretty... Who is Oklahoma State's backup quarterback? Does anybody even know his name? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're one injury away from this season tanking. I mean, that's just... Uh, hopefully nothing yeah, happens. He's just in Dallas. But uh, he's like 40 now. He yeah, can He's he a man. He's eligibility. 40. Um... But um, you know all all this, all this when you when you look at depth, depth becomes an issue suddenly for Oklahoma State in a couple of different positions. But and we'd never wish injury on anybody. But um, I I just going back to Texas Tech. I, I don't see I don't see what Kingsbury has that can save his job yeah, because he can't go six and six. He needs to go eight and five at best and win a bowl game. I don't. We were talking about. I can't find a third loss for Oklahoma. I can't find a fifth or sixth win for Texas Tech. In fact, I'll go ahead and throw this out there. When I said Kansas won't be the seller dweller this year, mm-hmm. I think Texas Tech is going to be the seller dweller. I think Texas Tech is going to lose to the likes of Kansas. And we know if you lose to Kansas, that's a that's a coach killer right there. Uh, you know, Charlie Strong is still trying to figure out how did I lose to Kansas last year. But um, you lose to Kansas, you lose your job. But I think they're going to lose the likes of Kansas. I think they're going to lose the likes of Iowa State. And then you throw the teams we've talked about, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas even. It could be a rough season in, in West Texas. Um, so, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, though. Um, you look at the two new coaches. You look at Lincoln Riley uh, at, at Oklahoma. You look at Tom Herman at Texas. How much pressure is on these guys? Obviously, their job's not in jeopardy. But how much pressure is there? For Lincoln Riley, um, I'll start there. Because Bob Stoops was such a successful coach on the collegiate level. And I think the expectations are for Lincoln Riley to continue that tradition, to continue that level of success. We were talking about 10 wins just a second ago. I do think the expectation in Lincoln Riley's first year, because he inherits such a talented team. I mean, you could throw out names. You've mentioned Baker Mayfield. Orlando Brown. I know we're replacing a couple of names at running back as well as in the receiving core, but you've got Jordan Thomas out on the corner, a guy like Parnell Motley, who's impressed a lot of people, transferred Jeff Bidet. I'm not sure how you say I don't say think it's pronounced Bidet. It, it, it could be. could be like a, okay. a Cajun. All right. I don't know. Um, Badet. Just, just go. Let's move on. The Kentucky kid. Yeah. So, I mean, he inherits a good crop of talent. When you look at Texas, I think there are some extremely talented players there as well along the offensive line. You talk about, I believe his last name is Williams, who's projected to be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. The quarterback situation may be a little bit shaky, but again, Texas is always pulling in talent because of their name. And so Tom Herman... I don't know that the expectations are for him to win 10 games. I do know the expectations are for him to not lose at Kansas. And so I think he has set himself up in a situation where if they produce a winning season and are in a bowl game, it would be considered a success. 
which is very, very likely this season for them. So not a lot of pressure on Tom Herman. I think more pressure on Lincoln Riley. No, I agree. And like I said, just to clarify, no one's saying that their jobs are in jeopardy. That's not that's not the case at all. But, I mean, think about Bob Stoops. It was never good enough with some of the fan base. With I mean, right. for Bob Stoops, it was. I mean, they they people were happy when Bob Stoops retired because well, we wanted him fired three years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that mindset. There, there's not a lot of a honeymoon phase for Lincoln Riley, and here's why: when Bob Stoops came in in 1999, the Oklahoma program was basically where Texas is right now, maybe a little even a little bit lower. And in 99, Bob Stoops took him to the Independence Bowl, and then 2000, they won the national championship. So that honeymoon phase for Bob Stoops was longer based off of the history of where the program was at the time. Lincoln Riley doesn't have that. Lincoln Riley is inheriting a team that people thought would be a contender for the not for the playoff, would be uh, looking at their third consecutive Big 12 Conference championship. So those are the expectations for Lincoln Riley. And when what you said, Tom Herman, the expectation is just get us a winning season and get us into a bowl. And I think it's pretty impressive when we talk about track records to, to look what Bob Stoops did for so long. You know, since Mac Brown left, you know, County Mac Brown, now you're in your third coach at the University of Texas. And th- this program at Texas was in bad shape when Mac Brown left. Was worse shape under Charlie Strong. And now you've got Tom Herman in there. And, and you know, we're, we're Oklahoma fans, so we, we like to bag on Texas. But the reality is this is really a feather in the cap of Bob Stoops. That he didn't really have, he, he never had that. You know, you think back to the, to the bad seasons under Bob Stoops. You go back to 2005. That was a bad season. But they still went to a bowl game. You know what I'm saying? The, the Oklahoma never, under Bob Stoops, never experienced the lows that Texas is experiencing. And so all of a sudden, the uh, I'm going to make a I'm going to try to make this analogy. It may not work, but um, Texas fans come across similar to Conor McGregor fans. We're going to knock him out in the second round. Second round, man. Mayweather has no chance. We're going to knock him out in the You're second round. Still bitter follow, about follow that. Follow me. Follow me here. We're going to knock him out in the second round. I mean, how I heard that for a month leading up to the fight. Mayweather doesn't have a chance. He might make it to the fourth round. And then afterwards, they're like, uh, well, you know, Connor made it to the tenth round before he got knocked out. He, you know, he, he proved himself. He made it to the tenth round. See, Texas fans are like, yeah, we're a national championship. We're, we're the best team in the conference. And, you know, all this crap that you hear from Texas fans, but at the end of the day, they're happy if they get to a bowl game. Right? I mean, McGregor fans were happy that he made it to ten rounds before he got knocked out. I'm just, maybe that didn't, maybe that, I had to throw that in there. wobble back to the corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, Oklahoma State, Thursday night, Tulsa. Um, I I don't, I don't see this being a close game. I'm trying. I mean, I, I, I like Tulsa. I'm, they're the third team in the state. If I, if I had to rank them in my area favoritism, I think they would be just ahead of Oklahoma State. Um, I'm wearing my OU shirt right now. Just let you know where my colors are. But, um. I don't mean I just I can't see how Tulsa keeps this game close. I think first quarter, second quarter, what Tulsa's gonna try to do is they're gonna try to run the football. But I think Oklahoma State's defensive game plan is to prevent Tulsa from beat us with a quarterback that you don't know who he is yet. That that's their game plan. The question is gonna be can Oklahoma State's front seven 
can they shut down the running game? Tulsa has an experienced offensive line returning. They have an all-conference center. So it's, it's going to be, you know, the, the strength of the Tulsa offense is going to go into what many people deem is the weakness of the Oklahoma State defense. So if, if Oklahoma State has to stack the box to stop the run, that may set up a little bit better for these young quarterbacks. I don't know. But I think, I think it would, at some point, maybe late second quarter, early third quarter, this is going to turn into where Tulsa is going to have to score to keep matching punch for punch for Oklahoma State, and they're not going to be able to do it. See, you took the words right out of my mouth. Because I do, when we look at Montgomery and what he's done at Tulsa, he's built offenses to put up points. He's built offenses to score. These high-flying offenses, and statistically, you look at last season as potentially one of the greatest ever for individual players, maybe not as an overall thing. Regardless, when I look at the offense, I see exactly what you're saying. And I think Tulsa's going to try to throw the ball. <laughs> but again, as you said, their strength will be in running it. I think they're going to put up um, some serious yards and some serious points in the first half. I think they may not match Wait, Oklahoma think, State. Oh, you think Tulsa's going to put up serious yards? Okay. In the first half. I think Oklahoma State's going to put up more. I, right, think, right. I think the first half, you'll see a lot of scoring. You'll see a lot of yardage. And then the second half, um, I predict that, and I may have to retract that statement, because I do think Tulsa's going to try to control the clock in the first half with that run game. Right. That's what we, will, we will see how well Oklahoma State can stop it. If they can't, that's when I see the yards, I see the points being stacked up for Tulsa. But Oklahoma State is going to be unstoppable on offense. I just don't see a way Tulsa stops them. Where do you see um, where do you see the score being? Just kind of I, I didn't prep you for this, but if you yeah. had to guess a score, um, can I give you roundabout numbers? Sure. Um, I think Oklahoma State will be close to forty nine, maybe fifty six range. I think Tulsa is going to put twenty seven. All right. So you're I'm giving Oklahoma State's defense a little more credit than you are. Um, I've got 49-14 in that, in that neighborhood, you know, about a 35-point, five-touchdown spread um, on that. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to learn anything about Oklahoma State in this game. And it's, it's, it's not a slam against Tulsa as much as it is. We just don't know anything about Tulsa. The over-under is 72, by the way. Mm, I, but, see, I think the over-under is based off of past – experience with Tulsa. Probably, I mean, yes. and it's based off the legend of Philip Montgomery. He is an offensive guy, which is why he's going to fit in and love it, Texas. <laughs> but it's, it's hard for me to jump on board with that without knowing who the quarterback is. And and the, the X factor here is this next quarterback. And then Chad President was, was a, a highly touted recruit coming out of high school, and it was kind of a coup that Montgomery got him to, to come to Tulsa. Baylor wanted him. And then when Montgomery comes to Tulsa, he comes to Tulsa with, with Montgomery. But I don't know. I mean, I, no one's seen him. No one knows who these quarterbacks are and what they're going to look like. And so it would be hard for me to give Tulsa a lot of points in this. I think I think if, if Tulsa scores more than three touchdowns in the first half, then it, it we'll be back next week talking about the struggles of Oklahoma State going into their, their South Alabama game. <laughs> But uh, I, I just don't. I don't see it being a struggle. I really don't. I think Oklahoma State. I think they get. I, I think probably what's going to happen is a low scoring first half, and then a second half, 
Oklahoma State just kind of blows the blows the doors open. That that's what I see happening. Okay. I'll play good. All right. So Saturday in Norman. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think this is close at all. I I, I I'm going to give you a couple quick thoughts on this. I think Oklahoma scores early. I think they score often. It may take two series to kind of get some things going with the new running backs and new receivers. I think you might see uh, Baker miss a couple of times based off of miscommunication and not really knowing uh, the the chemistry of the receivers. I, I, I don't I think you're going to see a stable of running backs. Um, I don't know you're going to see one running back for Oklahoma have just a dominating game. And, and I think the reason why is twofold. I think, first of all, they want to see these running backs in game situation. You want to see Rodney Anderson in a game situation. You want to see Trey Sermon. You want to see – we've seen Abdul Adams, but I think he's going to be in the mix. You want to see these guys in game situation. But the other thing is the next week is Ohio State. I don't think Lincoln Rodney wants to kind of tip his hand as to who their go-to back is. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see these backs alternate like every possession. Um so I think maybe one or two possessions that kind of get a rhythm. Um, but then I think also I would be shocked if Baker Mayfield plays the second half. I think if, if Oklahoma is in a, in, a, in a position where Baker Mayfield has to play in the third quarter, then what I said about Oklahoma State is the true for Oklahoma. We're, we're back here next week talking about the problems that this program has, this offense has with these new guys. I think we see Kyler Murray in the second half. I think we might even see Kyler Murray behind the starting offensive line just to get him those reps. It's been a while since Kyler Murray's had reps in a game, um, and he's your number two guy now. Um, so I, I just I I got uh, I'm gonna throw my score out here first for Oklahoma uh, UTEP. I'm going 56 to three. I, I just I don't think UTEP brings anything to the table in this game. And I think Oklahoma pulls the plug early because you got Ohio State next week. You don't want injury. I mean, the best case scenario is Oklahoma gets out of this game injury free, but you also don't want to. You don't want to show too much. And I think Oklahoma can jump out here willy nilly, vanilla. There's there's two schools of thought here. I, I'm I'm going to ask you which one you are. There's two schools of thought. The first school of thought is you just go vanilla, off tackle left, off tackle right. You throw short because you don't want to give Ohio State very much film. Or the other school of thought is you just open up the, the, the playbook and you pull out all the trick plays and you throw all these trick plays out there because then Ohio State has to spend time planning for plays that you're never going to run against them. But they've got they, they know they've seen them they have to prepare for them. Where where do you fall in that? What, what's your where, which side of the fence are you on there? I I lean towards the first one and and the thing that I look at more so than. I know Lincoln Riley has said that they're not going to run a script, that they don't script any of their plays, that they won't know what they're going to do until they get out into the huddle for the very first time. I think time. that's poppycock. It may very well be, but, I mean, we have a, a depth chart that's a blank sheet of paper, you know? So, But, but hold on. But think, I mean, some of us coach me. If you're, if you're the head coach at the University of Oklahoma <laughs> and you don't know what your first play is, there, there's something wrong with that. Here's a guy's third-year offensive coordinator, now the first-year head coach, all in one. He knows what he wants to do. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there, Matt, and say that the first play is a running play. I, for sure it's a running play. Absolutely. The entire world knows this. <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. go ahead. No, you're good. Um, when I'm looking at Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, in the offense, and whether they're going to be vanilla or whether they are going to throw 
a curveball in there. Um, I just don't see a curveball happening, and here's why. Because more so than the plays in trying to get Ohio State to work up for something that may never happen, is you have to be worried about injuries. And a couple of the things that when we look, you mentioned the running back names. Rodney Anderson's a guy that I think they want to go light on. Uh, maybe see him take some hits, but not do anything that could get him in some serious trouble. Go ahead. I, I disagree. I think I think of the backs, they probably want to work Rodney Anderson the most. And I think Rodney Anderson is probably your feature back. But here's a guy who's his third year, and he's seen very, very limited action. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw him, it was in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And so I think they want this guy to be ready for Ohio State. And you don't prepare for a physical team by keeping your guy on the shelf. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying using him to run trick plays. Oh, I see. Okay, my bad. Because that's when things go wrong. I just don't see it happening. Um, with an, an inexperienced receiving core, again, I just don't see these trick plays happening. So I'm leaning towards what you were calling the first school of thought and keeping it very plain, very simple. Yeah, I... You know, I, I mean, that's that's really the nature of the head coach. You know, Bob Stoops was a plain and simple kind of guy. I do know, um, I do know that Chuck Long liked to throw those trick, trick plays out there. You know, and, and Bob Stoops kind of, you know, sometimes he squ- squelched that idea, but every now and then they got to do it. Um, but um, I just, I don't know, what, I don't know what Lincoln Riley's nature. Now that he he has no muffler, you know, uh, muffler. Yeah, that, uh-huh. is that really, nothing yeah. to muffle him. I guess what I'm saying is muzzle? he muzzle. Maybe that's a better word. He has nothing to hold him back. I mean, he he doesn't have to get on the intercom and go, "Hey, coach, what do you think we should do here? Here's my, here's what I'm here's what I'm thinking." He's that guy now, right? You know, so he doesn't ask, and he's not going to like phone up Joe Castiglione. <laughs> should we run here on third and one, or just pound it up the middle? So um, anyway, I don't know. Um, uh, we will learn a little bit about yeah, Lincoln um, Riley in that. Go ahead and address one thing that you threw out. When I'm looking at UTEP and what they bring, nothing. This is a team that has been at the bottom defensively for the past t- 10 years right. or so. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Oklahoma when it comes to their offense. Again, it's it's a team that struggled heavily to throw the ball. So I believe they're going to be almost one-dimensional. They'll try to keep the defense honest. But let's be, well, I mean, let's take a step into reality and realize that they're going to run the ball probably more than they're going to throw it. A one-dimensional offense cannot be successful at this level of competition. So I was going to give you my score prediction and say it's going to be something very similar. I don't trust UTEP to kick field goals um, because I think they were, again, one of the worst in that statistical category. But three points, I think, may be a little bit generous. I'll stick with it and give... Um, a similar score for Oklahoma as I gave to for Oklahoma State and say 49. All right. I just, I mean, shutouts are so hard to come by, but I really feel Dang. it could happen. It could happen. Um, but I, I really feel like UTEP, I, when we talk about coaches on the hot seat, I think this is the last year for the UTEP head coach. But I, I think, I think Oklahoma could line up and Baker Mayfield could say, Hey, UTEP defense, we're going to run the ball off tackle left, and Oklahoma is going to get four or five yards. I mean, that's just the way these two teams stack up. But that's okay because the next week Oklahoma has a top ten matchup with Ohio State, and so they earn that credit back. Um, any, any, you know, I, I, when you look at Oklahoma State, Tulsa, 
I, I think you, you've got one similar situation with Oklahoma, Utah, in that Oklahoma State's got to figure out who their running back is. You know, they, they got to figure out who their go-to guy is. You know, you, you've got you got Hill. Is he your guy this year? He has to be. I don't know. I mean, he was a, a thousand-yard rusher. Like right, but I mean, is he is he going to? I mean, he's not. Is it a one one-trick pony? I mean, is it? Sure hope not. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> who, who who else who else goes in that backfield with him? So I think you've got that issue going on for Oklahoma State. Not an issue, but that's that's the storyline to watch there. I think the other storyline to watch for Oklahoma State is is again their front seven. They're going up against a really good offensive line, but is it a really good offensive line because they're playing the American Conference, or is it really a, a good offensive line? So you, those, that's what I'm watching. I want to see the running backs because you know the receivers. I mean, you, you've got you got the All Star and James Washington, you got Jalen McCluskey, you got all these guys out there. You probably have the deepest receiving core in the Big Twelve. You got the best quarterback prospect for the NFL in the Big Twelve. So you know that set. What you don't know about Oklahoma State is the the running back situation and the front seven on the defense. So that's that's what I'm watching for Thursday night. I mean, what similarly, what are you looking for Saturday with Oklahoma? Oklahoma um, defensively, I am interested to see how the linebackers perform. I had mentioned UTEP's probably going to run the ball. They're going to lean on Will Hernandez, who's who's an All American, to lead that charge with his work ethic, with his power. Um, the size of those guys, like I said, so the linebackers, we lose a lot there. Um, Jordan Evans is gone. You're looking at a guy who, Caleb Kelly, who had a, a tremendous performance in the bowl game. And you're looking for him to continue that kind of success as they move um, defensive schemes, put four men down on the front as well. Um, the pass rush is another thing that I'd be interested in seeing because people have talked up uh, Obo Okwarunkwo. Um, it's not how you say that at all. Just call him it was my my attempt at it, and it terribly failed. Um, your so name game is not great today. I know, man. I know. So, looking at the pass rush defensively, like I said, those are just a couple of things that I want to see. Um, I don't think they're going to be tested in the secondary, so I'll hold off for that one. The rushing attack and the defense from Oklahoma. Um, those are the the two things that I do want to see. How does a guy like Abdul Adams perform? How does a guy like Rodney Anderson? You said you're predicting him to get the the meat or the lion's share of those carries. So how will will these guys perform, and will they live up to expectations behind such an experienced offensive line? Yeah, the other guy I would throw out there is um, I feel like Mark Andrews. It's, it's it's time for him. I mean, this is this is his year. If if he doesn't break out, I mean, he's been good. But I don't think he has potential just for good. Are your expectations skewed because of the past, though, is my question. What do you mean? Well, we had a guy like Trey Miller who could play anywhere on the field, literally. Before him, um, there were a couple of tight ends who were part of that 2018 uh, Gresham mm -hmm. record-setting team. I think not that your expectations are skewed, but I'm asking that question because Mark Andrews isn't those guys. I, but I think he could be. I think he could be similar to Jermaine Gresham because of his size. Will, he's, will he step in the backfield and run the ball? Did Gresham do that? Gresham didn't. I thought you said Miller. No, Gresham. I, what what I'm bad. saying is he because of his size, he, he's too physical for a defensive back. But because of his speed, he's too fast for a linebacker. He's that coverage guy, that, that nightmare. But and we've he's I'm, I'm not and I'm not saying he's been terrible he's been good 
But it's time for him to take that next step from good to great or good to very good. And I, I think this is a defining – when you look at the receiving core, you know, who, who's your who's your go-to guy? Who's your returning leading receiver? Who's the guy – when you look at this guy, this, this list of receivers, who's the guy that stands out to you? Well, it should be Mark Andrews. Can he live up to that? Right. And that, that's all I'm saying. I mean – this is his year to take that leap, and I don't feel if he. I feel if he, if he doesn't take that leap from good to to really good, if he doesn't take that leap this year, then he's not going to take that leap at all. His his future in the NFL is as a, is as a tight end, but he's so agile, he's so versatile that Oklahoma can use him as the tight end, or they can use him out wide. They can even use him in the slot, and that's where I, I expect Lincoln Riley to try to find those mismatches. And Mark Andrews is going to be their guy. You've got the speed, but it's unproven. You've got the possession, but it's unproven. The only thing that's proven here is Mark Andrews, and can he take that next step? Random question for you. We're going back to Oklahoma State. Um, there was an article when that I wrote when their two deep was released. It didn't feature one player that everyone expected it to. What do you know about Adrian Baker? Nothing. Good. I mean, that's, so I, I could I could like say words and and waste time, but the end of the day is nothing. Yeah, I just know the question was looking at the the secondary of Oklahoma State. They wanted a, a senior guy to really come in there and be that experienced leader on the field. As I was reading through the tweets after that two deep was released, the most common question I saw was where is Adrian Baker? So if anyone has an answer, please enlighten us. Yeah, and that could be anything from he hasn't earned it to coach speak. Anywhere in between that. It's not searching for Bobby Fisher. Uh, all right, Big 12 rundown. Um, there, there's some good games this weekend in the Big 12. I'm going to read the crappy games first. Uh, Eastern <laughs> Washington plays at Texas Tech. Liberty plays at Baylor. Southeast Missouri plays at Kansas. That actually may be a good game. On paper, it's not. Um, Northern Iowa at Iowa State may be a good game, but it shouldn't be. And then Jackson State at TCU. The reality is Eastern Washington at Texas Tech, Liberty for sure at Baylor, and Jackson State, TCU. Those are games that should never happen. They should never happen, but this is a league that, that puffs its schedule like every other league does. You know, the, the difference is the Big 12 does it early, the SEC does it late, but they all do it. Any surprises in there? I mean, Kansas, can they beat Southeast Missouri? I think so. Northern Iowa can give Iowa State fits. When you look at that initial slate of games, what I'm looking at is, can Kansas get their first win of the season? And can Northern Iowa continue their dominance over Iowa State? That's all I'm looking at. I could care less about Eastern Washington, Liberty, Jackson State. I probably won't even watch any of those games. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. All right, so the big games this weekend in the Big 12. We, we've talked about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, their games. We've given their score predictions. I'm looking at Maryland, Texas, Saturday morning, and West Virginia, Virginia Tech on Sunday. Um, Maryland, Texas, that Tom Herman, I mean, it, it's, off to, it's, it's off to a running start here out, out of the gate. Texas preseason non-conference schedule, however you want to throw that out there, it, 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 it sets up. Kind of difficult for Tom Herman in his first year. What do you think is going to happen in this Maryland-Texas game? I really don't know. Um, like I'm not extremely high like the media is 
on Texas enough to include them in the top 25 at this point. No way they should be in the top 25. They haven't proven that. I agree, right. Um, And so I really don't even know what to expect from Texas. Shane Buchel um, out there at the quarterback position, I felt like he came on strong, faded late. Where will he pick up? These are the questions that I don't have an answer to at this point. Is he even going to be their quarterback? I don't know. I I don't look up Texas information (laughs) very regularly. So I think it could be a close game. I do want to give Texas the edge, though they are playing at home in front of a home crowd. New head coach, the hype machine has already started rolling around this team. So I expect fans to be in a frenzy of sorts and that to give them that edge. But I do see that being a fairly close game, potentially. Well, keep in mind that um, Texas began last season by beating Notre Dame in like 50 overtimes. Yeah, but, but Notre Dame, where were they at the end of the No, year? I agree. I, Notre Dame was a terrible team. But remember, they were coordinated as, as being back mm-hmm. after beating Notre Dame in overtime. Um, I I don't know, man. I Here's what it comes down to me. Um, is Texas going to be – by the way, Shane Buchel is the starting quarterback for Texas. As I just look at their depth chart. Um, is Texas going to be still in the top 25 come Monday morning? It's a good question. I, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I'm not going to get to see all of it because of the OU game, but it's going to be at least – it's worth tuning in for. Um same question, is West Virginia going to be in the top 25 come Monday morning because they play Virginia Tech Sunday night? Yeah. Um, again, a, a tough question to answer because you look at what Virginia Tech did last season in challenging some of the top opponents that they played. They always seem, at least early on, Virginia Tech had a big upset a couple years ago, didn't they? Yeah, they pulled off several I big upsets. And, and I'm, I'm high on Justin Fuente. Well, they also, didn't they play Alabama a few years ago in week one? Yeah, maybe. Um, and it was a lot closer than people anticipated. So I think Virginia Tech. West Virginia played Alabama two seasons ago, I think, to start the season. Virginia Tech, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the not having anything on paper, not having anything on film. But they're able to challenge teams. I think this one would be a close game regardless of when they met in the season. I looked up the spread. It's currently four points in favor of West Virginia, but then the predictor has a Virginia Tech with a 67% chance of winning. Um, so I don't really know how all of that... Excuse me, I got that backwards. Virginia Tech is the four-point favorite. Okay. And they have the 67% chance. This is why you don't gamble either. I know, I read that totally backwards. But that is A-O-K. I think... I mean, I'd like to give West Virginia that win. Both teams are ranked heading into the season. It being at Virginia Tech is what scares me. I I think um, I think West Virginia has zero percent chance to win this game. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I hate to be that way. Um, you know, you and I both have family roots in in what in the Mountaineer state, but we talk about question marks. I mean, there may not be a, a ranked team in the. In, in, I mean, top 25 team. And forget the Big 12. There may not be a top 25 program that doesn't have more question marks than what West Virginia does. You got a transfer quarterback. We saw him play at Florida. We, we know what he's capable of, but who's he going to hand the ball off to? Who's he going to pass the ball to? And then you flip the script, 
they they lost most of their defensive line from last year. They they're always a question mark on defense. For what Cliff Kingsbury is in Lubbock, Texas, Dana Holgerson is similar to that in Morgantown. He Dana doesn't want to talk about defense. He wants to talk about his offense. And I think in time the offense will catch up. I just don't know that coming out of the gate, if they've got if they've got the tools in the yeah. shed yeah. to to play to to beat Texas, Virginia Tech. If if West Virginia can score thirty points, I would say it's a fifty fifty coin flip as to who's going to win. I just don't know West Virginia can do that. Well, that's a big if. I mean, I agree. You score thirty points, you should win the game. I don't know how many points they're going to score, and I don't right. know how many Virginia Tech is going to score, but mm-hmm. I think Virginia Tech is going to score more than West Virginia. This is great football analysis right here. Mm-hmm. I just don't – I just, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I look back and I just – I don't see it I, – I just don't see it for, for West Virginia right now. Right. I'm, I'm not as high on them going into the season as everybody else is. Where, you're high, where I'm high on TCU and you're low, you're higher in West Virginia than I am. Here's – why I say 30 points is because I'm looking at, yes, this is last season. The last five games of the season, West Virginia, you want to guess how many times they, they eclipsed a 30-point mark in their in the final five games of the year? Hit me up with it, man. I don't... Once. And it yeah. was against Iowa State. On the flip side of that coin, Virginia Tech, in their previous five games, they scored 30-plus points four times. I'm... I'm being swayed by the numbers here, maybe what you've said a little bit as well in giving that, that wins of Virginia Tech. Yeah, and, and by the way, I, th- I think that game is at FedEx Field, not at – it's not like in Blattsburg. Uh, right, but, right. But Virginia Tech's the, the home team. All right, so that's that's it for, for this episode of the Student Nation podcast. I'm Matt, and he's Rich. Uh, we've got lots of preview stuff for both uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, we got our preseason stuff up, heartland-sports.com. If you've, if you've got to add to the show or add to the podcast with questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions, we're, we're always open to that. Uh, you can uh, leave a comment. You can shoot us an email. Uh, we we want to hear from you. Uh, let us know what you think. We'll be back next week to break it down uh, again on how, the, how everything played out. Thanks a bunch for listening, and have a great week, everybody.